Welcome to Every Nook Uncanny. My name is Mae Finch. I write horror and science fiction stories about the weird, futuristic, and uncanny. Today I would like to read you the second and final part of last week's story, Ritual for Friends. I suggest you go and listen to part one before continuing here. I must also warn you that the way this story turns may not suit all listeners. You will find relevant content warnings in the show notes. If you would like to read this tale with your own eyes, you can do so on my substack, everynookuncanny.substack.com. Now, to today's story. The doorbell rang, and Mara did one final sweep through the house. She had plates and silverware set out on the dining table. The wine was poisoned just enough to sedate her guests without impairing her. The knives and everything else for the ritual were laid out in the living room. As she walked to the door, she took a deep breath and reminded herself. They were just humans. They had already lived full lives. No one would miss them. And they were the only people who had willingly accepted an invitation to her home. Friends, as the ritual demanded and defined them. With a beaming smile, Mara opened the door. She didn't wear a disguise with them. Her naturally curly, raven-black hair spilled over the purple silk scarf around her neck. She wanted Damien to recognize her when he stepped through the rift, and she wouldn't have the energy to change her appearance mid-ritual. Besides, if all went to plan, it wouldn't matter that Violet and Ben knew what she already looked like. They would be dead. Violet and Ben were old, quarrelsome lovers. Mara had met them at work when they came in to buy impatience for the flower bed around their mailbox. They had talked and talked to her for hours, all about their rotten grandchildren, the loss of their farm, and other cursed cards life had dealt them. It seemed like an act of fate that they had come in on her shift at the nursery. It's so good to see you two. We could have died coming down some of those hills, Ben grumbled as he hobbled into the front hall. He used a wooden cane with a duck carved into the handle and wore khaki shorts with a green polo shirt and white sneakers. Violet just smiled and kissed Mara's hand. She was dressed in a matching purple shirt and cardigan, paired with a dark gray skirt and brown leather sandals. There was a gold flower clip in her short, white-streaked hair. Mara closed the door behind them and guided them into her dining room. I made some shepherd's pie! Does that sound good? It doesn't have carrots, does it? Ben doesn't like carrots, Violet said as Ben helped her into her seat. No, no carrots, Mara assured them, plastering that smile to her face. She would have to serve the wine before they saw dinner. I'm sorry you had a rough drive, she added. Here, you both look like you could use a drink. Mara poured the wine into three glasses and brought them to the table. She had placed a red lace tablecloth over the dark-stained oak. Ben ran a wrinkled hand through his thinning white hair 
and looked around at the dried herbs and plants hung on her wall. Are you a gardener? he asked. Yes, that's why I work at the nursery. Oh, well, that makes sense, Violet said, nodding. Neither reached for their glass. An uneasy silence settled on their shoulders. A toast, Mara proposed, raising her cup. The red gleamed in the light beaming through her window, and she was reminded of the blood she would next have to spill. Violet and Ben raised their glasses. Violet's hand was shaking, a tremor she often exhibited. Mara looked from Ben's face to Violet's as her mind searched for something to toast to, but she was at a loss. To youth, Violet said. They both giggled as if sharing some inside joke. The red shone so brightly in the sunlight. They tilted the glasses toward their lips, and as they did so, they looked not at Mara, but at one another. Mara knew that look, even though no one had ever looked at her that way. Not even Damien. But these two, after all those bickering years together, they still... Oh mercy, Mara thought. Stop, Mara yelled, casting the glasses out of their hands. The cups flew back into the kitchen and shattered with a loud crash. Get out! Mara stood violently and ushered them out as quickly as they could move. They both stared at her wide-eyed, but neither questioned her sudden hostility. Violet tripped stepping onto the porch, and Ben caught her. It took both of them a moment to regain their balance, but they did it and shuffled down her driveway. As soon as Mara saw them get into their car, she muttered a promise. Smoke fogged their windshield. Then she walked out to them, her face all smiles again. Hello, are you two lost? Uh, yes, Ben said slowly. It was clear he no longer recognized her. Just follow this road the next five miles. We'll take you straight into downtown. Oh, thank you. After Ben and Violet left, Mara opened the ritual chest. It was the evening of the solstice, and approaching the hour at which the Earth, the Moon, and the constellation Aquilius would be in alignment. This was her only window of opportunity after six tortuous months of waiting, and in another six months he might be too far gone. She had to attempt the ritual alone. Mara would have to give up her own soul. Over the past week, she had carefully drawn out all of the sigils on her floor. She just had to roll back the rug, speak the ancient words, and let the blood flow. That would open the rift. Then, once it was open, her soul would be payment to the ancient one that had created her and ruined her. Natmir. A soul for a soul. Her soul for Damien's. The ancient words were tonal. She sang to the darkness and to Natmir. Mara could feel the alignment instantly. The pressure in the room dropped and the earth beneath her feet trembled. Her body lost its heaviness and gradually hovered up above the hard floor. Mara suppressed the urge to laugh with giddiness. She cut her palms first, spreading the blood as evenly as possible across all six sigils. 
the glory, the fool, the star, the night, the day and the rending seal all glowed and pulsed weakly. They needed more. Grinding her teeth, Mara dug the dagger into her left forearm, careful not to cut any major veins or arteries. Blood was pooling underneath her now, but the sigils still pulsed. More. She cut her other arm, closing her eyes as a wave of nausea and dizziness came over her body. As Mara floated higher and higher, she finally heard a crack. The wooden planks of her floor began to snap and pop out of place, and a gap was opening between them. Dark smoke billowed out of the rift. It swirled around the room like a tornado, spinning her floating body like a top. Natmir? Mara called. Natmir, I have come to bargain for the soul of Damien Agretti. The swirling smoke began to coalesce into the shape of a horse. It was lean and lanky, with empty pits for eyes. On its back, staring blankly like a corpse, sat Damien. Mara wanted to collapse in on herself, seeing him like that. A great flame reduced to a weak column of smoke. The smoky mare opened her mouth, spewing black tar. These hills were hollowed ground for Natmir's kind. She looked even more powerful than she had in Richmond. Mara's skin tingled as if the mare were electric. In a voice that grated like metal on concrete, reverberating through the room, Natmir bellowed, Give me your soul. The wind howled and Mara began to feel weak from her dripping wounds. She looked at the corpse on Natmir's back. For a second, she saw her own face there, then Damien's again. Lifeless, soulless. Adrenaline rushed through her body. For the first time in decades, Mara felt afraid. She wanted Damien at her side for this, but there was no comfort in looking at him now. I am old soul. Natmir's voice echoed through what remained of the cottage. Mara lifted the knife to her chest. Her tongue and nose stung as the tearing wind ionized around her. She caught her own reflection in the gleam of the silver blade, blood dripping over where her eyes should be. Mara remembered now. This wasn't how she really looked. Rubbing her thumb over the blade, she wiped away the blood. A young woman stared back at her, a woman with the ghastly faces of her tormented sisters etched into her own eyes. She thought Natmir had spared her their fate, but if that was true, why did she need Mara's willing sacrifice now? Why did Natmir need anything from her? So am I, Mara whispered, the truth dawning on her. You are my pet, Natmir snickered. I owe you nothing. You are more than you can ever repay. You are indebted to me. I made you. No, you just couldn't kill me. I didn't need to. Mara's arms were drenched in red. She saw now. She saw it all. Mara raised the dagger again, and with the last of her strength, she plunged it into the heart that had betrayed her. I'm sorry, 
she whispered to Damien. The lights were out at Miller's bar. Henry sat at one of the front tables, smoking, looking up at the stars and a stray meteor. Mara's car was the star he should have been watching. She had fallen and was careening straight towards his bar. Mara tried to slow down, but her body was weak and the brake pedal was heavy. She felt a jolt and heard metal grating on the brick wall. Her airbags didn't deploy. Junky truck. Hey, what the... Oh, wow, Mara. I'm fine. You're covered in blood. Is this your blood? Don't ask like that. Of course it's my blood. He lifted Mara out of the car and onto the rough, cold asphalt. She closed her eyes for a moment, and when she opened them, it was very bright. She heard running water, then felt the touch of cool glass against her lips. Mara sipped and coughed, then sipped some more. Her eyes were focusing now, and she saw Henry's face over hers, frowning. What? Mara croaked. Can a witch get a drink? Henry laughed. You lost a lot of blood, but I think your head's okay. Mara took a look around the room. What she had thought was daylight was just a buzzing shop light above her. The couch she was on was hard, and she could see she'd gotten bloodstains all over it. The gashes in her palms and arms had been bandaged. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Mara started crying again, and she hated herself for it. Henry left. Mara feared she had angered him, but he came right back with a stack of paper towels and handed them to her. The bleeding stopped, she said meekly. No, <laughs> for your eyes. When he said that, Mara's tears came on even harder. She took the paper towels and dabbed at her cheeks. I'm sorry it didn't work, he said. It did, she said, choking down a sob. I did it all on my own. You took your own soul? Mara shook her head, a half-laugh, half-sob escaping her mouth. I opened the rift, and I saw Damien, and it was time to give up my soul, and I couldn't do it. I fought her back into the rift. Natmir? Yes. Damien had wanted her power, too. So I tried to help him, back in Richmond. I opened the rift, but she just took him. And I let her, and I failed tonight. I... You fought for him. And you survived. I broke him. No. He broke you. Mara stared at her bandaged hands. When she finally looked at Henry, she saw tears in his eyes. Mara wondered how many humans had broken him, too. Henry? I'm proud of you, was all he said. Then he smiled, and the look in his eyes made Mara smile, too. Thank you for listening to Every Nook Uncanny. It's a strange world out there. Take care of one another.
The music in this episode was created by Kevin McLeod. It featured the songs Beauty Flow, Leaving Home, Comfortable Mystery 3, and Comfortable Mystery 4, all licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. You can find these songs and more on Kevin's website, incompetech.com.